Welcome to Behind the Bookshelves. My name is Richard Davis and this Abe Books podcast is dedicated to telling the stories behind books and the people who love them. Today I am joined by Matthew Budman from New York who is the author of Book Collecting Now, The Value of Print in a Digital Age. Matthew is a book collector, an author, an editor, a book reviewer and also a bookseller. His book covers all the bases in terms of book collecting. What to buy, where to buy, what to avoid, how to identify first editions, how to acquire knowledge, care and repair of books and many more subjects dear to the hearts of bibliophiles. Welcome Matthew. Thanks Richard, it's great to be here. Thank you for joining us. All right, uh, first question. In your book, you talk about a new generation of younger book collectors. Perhaps you can describe to me where you're seeing these younger collectors and what you're seeing? Sure. Well, of course, I you don't have uh, demographics on, say, you know, a sales, but uh, it certainly feels as though there's a shift. There's a new energy. And uh, to me, me book collecting begins with with buying books in the first place and reading and when uh, when you walk through say young adult sections of bookshops and libraries there are a, a tremendous number of titles I mean it, it's only growing and people are reading them I just spent uh, three days at the Book Expo America publishing trade show and YA authors are huge that's millions of teenagers reading and they're mostly reading books on paper they're used to reading books on paper they prefer reading books on paper and it's a small step from buying books to read to buying books to keep which is the basis of collecting so it's uh, it's not all it's not all video games but beyond that you can you can feel the energy in different in different places I mean honey and wax booksellers has this terrific annual contest for women collectors age 30 or younger uh, Fine Books and Collections Magazine has an ongoing series on bright young collectors and bright young booksellers, and they have a lot of people to, to choose from. There are a lot of people who are kind of entering the hobby. Uh, and to me, what's most exciting is, is seeing people with non-traditional interests and perspectives building non-traditional collections. Uh, I believe that's what will keep this hobby alive and vital into the future. So there's still plenty of traditional collectors upgrading their first editions of For Whom the Bell Tolls and This Side of Paradise, but uh, but now people are also looking for ephemera, looking at particular types of pocketbooks, different categories of books altogether, um, and that's exciting. So you also write that female book collectors are now being taken seriously by sellers. Can you describe what you mean by that and perhaps allude to some of the problems that female book collectors have faced over the years? So when I was writing my, my first book on collecting 15 years ago, for, uh, for research, I ransacked the shelves of two college libraries looking at histories of collecting and guides to collecting, because uh, people have been you know, writing books on collecting since there have been books. Uh, so looking up for you know, quotes and anecdotes, I talked to people at prominent bookshops, and none of them was a woman. I mean, for, for the history of book collecting, women have been largely invisible. They're, it's all been wealthy men collecting books written by other men, except you know, maybe by Jane Austen. And the assumption in most early essays and books on collecting is that uh, women might like books as pretty things, but couldn't possibly understand their true significance. Uh, and so it has taken a long time for 
women to come forward and not just be recognized as collectors. And so a research librarian, Emiko uh, Hastings, has her Women Bibliophiles project that's exploring women collectors through the years with most of their catalogs. Uh, their, their collection is not cataloged in the same way as men. But women even becoming more prominent now in uh, you know, in collecting and uh, and kind of collecting different kinds of things, uh, which is uh, you know, which is very different than uh, than how it has been. Uh, you know, all those books, and I think of the books published a century ago by men sitting in their home libraries writing volumes called you know, among my books, uh, none of which are by women, and they're usually the same kinds of books. It's people upgrading their their versions of of Shakespeare from a fourth folio to a third folio. But I'm hoping that the next generation of those memoirs will be written by women, and they'll be about different kinds of books. And this is key to me. I mean, traditional collectors have often devalued books uh, that are viewed as books for women, um, you know, authors and subjects that are domestic books. And uh, and there's a real effort. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Alice Endeavor's London Bookshop Second Shelf, that, which is stocking exclusively books by women. Uh, they're helping create new markets and interests for such books that are, uh, again, very different kinds of books that are much more, it's, it's just much broader categories. Um, it seems like a very healthy change. It, it is kind of a shift from people looking at books in, in rare book uh, you know, rare book rooms and libraries to people wanting these kinds of books in their homes. Um, but yes, absolutely. That's uh, I, I feel as though social media has really helped in the kind of the blurring of those lines, where now people are in conversation with each other. You've seen the you know, librarian librarian Twitter talking to rare books Twitter. Yeah. And, uh, so after twenty years of really intense change in the rare book collecting world, do you, do you see a bright future for book collectors? Well, that is the question. Is that I mean, no one wants to spend money and time and energy on devotion to a dying hobby and uh, I feel as though everyone listening to this um, to this podcast has no doubt had friends say you know I thought books were dead um, but um, I feel quite confident in the uh, in the future of print books and of uh, and of collecting I mean five years ago you know independent bookshops were seen as failing ebooks were trending up and now bookshops are holding their own ebook sales are flat and people are still reading uh, I mean, there are big problems in publishing in general, with distribution of money, but um, but people are still reading despite despite all the distractions, despite the internet. And uh, what what excites me is seeing publishers uh, responding to this by by putting out more books intended to be kept, uh, with with gorgeous cover designs, with a lot of signed first editions, with limited editions, and uh, and that's where collecting starts: is people buying books to keep not just to uh, not just to read and as i said there, there's tremendous energy on social media among collectors and people are interested in what others are turning up and deciding to bring together as personal libraries people you know it's new kinds of people finding new things to collect and far beyond you know traditional types of collecting and and lastly part of this is a feeling and a hope i mean if uh, if my book has a main argument it's that Every reader should be a collector. I want to turn readers into collectors. And uh, so that's, you know, it's fingers crossed. So the, the new generation that you, you mentioned in your first answer, what would be your advice to someone from that generation just starting out in book collecting? I guess the question to begin with is, you know, why collect books? I mean, it's, it's not just that we love books or that they're inherently worth money. Um, it's thinking about books in a 
you know, in a different way. I mean, you the reason to have a book collection to me is is that the collection says something about you, that tells a story about you, and a, a, and a collection can be. It can be a house full of books, and um, and I've I have owned a house full of books, and I'm sure a lot of people uh, listening to this have owned housefuls of books. But it can be just one shelf, uh, and all of it should mean something, should have value to you. Uh, and that's what uh, it, it's thinking about books in a uh, in a different way. You want someone to walk into your apartment and see a book or a shelf and say, "Hey, what's this?" And you can say, "Well, let me tell you about this." I mean, that's the goal. Um, but the very first thing for someone starting out and thinking about where where do I even begin? There are millions of books. Uh, there's a lot to know. It's finding a focus. It's finding something to to pick and say this is this is the thing in which I'm most interested. This is what I want my collection to be about. And uh, to me, it, it begins with looking at your own shelves. I mean, you you probably already have a focus and don't necessarily know it. And you think of what catches your eye and what patterns of um, you know of genres, favorite authors, subjects, book designs, typography, whatever. And once you've thought about that a bit, what do you spend time online? You browse through through eBay and through Abe, wander through used bookshops, and again see what catches your eye. I I love the idea of going to book fairs, even if you can't really afford to buy anything it's to see what's what's there and what's new and what resonates with you that's the way you find new things i mean there's there's no online experience i mean that uh, that offers the same opportunity for serendipity as walking through a bookshop or a book fair and just seeing new things I like that. Uh, you know, I know you've had uh, Rebecca Bauman on uh, on the podcast. But, I mean, she is, you know takes students to bookshops and sets them loose to find things that catch their eye. And uh, again, love that idea. So you you were always finding things that you didn't know existed. And it, so I think you're talking about the thrill of the hunt. No, exactly, exactly. But even before I like, find like, deciding what to hunt for is is the thing i mean it's it's starting before that because because eventually once you find that focus i mean then once you have an idea of what speaks to you 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 set about you start learning about those books and then you narrow your focus Uh, you know you want it to be you know achievable but not too achievable you want to have a you know a complete collection someday and long in the future but you want to have fun looking that's the the thrill of the hunt i mean so i I have some examples in uh, in book collecting now of of you know the types of topics that are too narrow. I mean, let's say you love um, the series, you know, the Millennium series with the, you know, the girl with the dragon tattoo, and if you decide, well, I want you know first editions of that whole series. Well, the whole series is three books, so I mean, you can you, know, you can finish that collection in about ten minutes, uh, just buying things on Abe. You want it to be more interesting than that. You want to have a collection that not necessarily everybody has, uh, and something again that says that says something about you besides that well i like this one you know this one author this one bestseller it's like what is it about those books about that genre about that author um so how did it all begin with you how, how did your love affair with books start i grew up in a house full of books my parents claim i began reading before age two and in college began filling dorm rooms and then student apartments with books and my my roommates can attest to um uh, you know, milk crates and shelves are probably still resentful. Uh, when I lived in the Bay Area and then New York, there were a ton of author events, so I began collecting signed copies. And it was a small step from buying the author's new book and getting an autograph to buying backlist titles and bringing those to signings and then better backlist titles. Uh, 
what I never had was a guide to book collecting. There, there were no guides to, for novices. So again, people have been writing book collecting guides forever, but they're they're almost always written for professionals. Um, and I wanted something that uh, that would just help me get started and, and focus this. I was you know I was never going to spend millions of dollars on a collection. I just wanted to 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 channel my uh, my love of Airwood books. Uh, and that's why I wrote my first book on collecting. It's why I, why I wrote this one to help give you know direction to enthusiasts and avid readers because there's so much to learn and there's so much to know. Uh, and so here, here's my, my best idea for where to start collecting. And I, I wish I'd thought of it earlier. It would have helped me with my, um, you know, kind of channel that uh, that love affair. Uh, is 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 thinking about the books that I'd started out reading and, and buying copies of the favorite books that I'd read as a child. I'm way beyond. So I mean, it, like we've all read the same, some of the same books as children. But if you talk to people who have who are readers as adults. It turned out that everybody has odd books that they read as kids that they love and none of their friends read. I mean, way beyond Harry Potter and Nancy Drew or The Hunger Games. I mean, you read some odd novels no one else remembers now. And I love trying to, you know, asking people about those books. What was what was the book that you read as a kid? And uh, and then how do you go about finding good copies? Kids' books are often high, hard to find as not ex-library copies, they're hard to find in good condition, uh, they're often pretty rare, and um, and they're great looking books and uh, and and those are terrific books too, it's a, it's a great place to just start a collection, if, again if you want something that, that uh, you know, this is a collection that, uh, a shelf that says something about me this is, these are your formative years and these are um, this is where your love affair with books began is, uh, is with these particular books. Sometimes those books can be really humble I'm thinking of, um Doctor Who books that I read when I was a kid and there was one book about King Arthur that was a like a TV show tie-in to something that was shown on the British TV in the end of the 70s or something like that just a very short book on King Arthur and his adventures and those little things I think are the ones that sparked me but they're humble books they're just little paperbacks right right but I mean, it, you know, and you might not have even know that until you went back and, and looked it up to see you know, what, where did that actually, where did that actually start? Is there a better edition of it? Because, because sometimes you, you sometimes you go back and, and it's uh, the book has a, you know, a, a kind of an origin you didn't uh, didn't know anything about. So here, here's my, my my single favorite example of that. I um, when I was a kid, I, I read a book called. Um, Called uh, Fatty Puffs and Thinifers. It was this book from um, from the late '60s? It was a, a wartime book. It seemed to be kind of a you know a Vietnam parable. And uh, my mother had bought me a copy at a library book sale or something. And uh, and then years later, I ran across a copy of it and uh, and started tracking down where it came from. And the first edition was from from '67. And managed to find a copy with a dust jacket, and then a British copy from '68. But it turned out that the original book uh, had been published in 1940. And it was actually a World War One parable and uh, totally different artwork. And now it was called you know. Uh, and it was in French, and so that was you know patapoufs and filifers, and then trying to track down the original copies of that from like 1940, and I managed to find one. This this Holt book uh, with it's you know, oversized and it's gorgeous, um, but actually the original is is only in French and it's in from 1930, and I am and I have copies from 1930, but I'm still trying to find a 1930 copy with a dust jacket. Uh, but I love the idea that this is a book that 
you know, I grew up with. Um, but it has this great history. And of course, what it means is that I now have uh, half a shelf devoted to different editions of this one book that uh, that no one else I know has even read, because I think it was pretty much uh, forgotten after 1967. Um, but I, again, it has led me down this, this interesting path. So tell us a little about uh, the books that you collect. So it's always the... It's always the question people ask when they see our apartment, which is filled with books, you know, for the first time. Uh, usually, ask you know, what's your most valuable book? And I, I never have a satisfying answer to the uh, to the question. Uh, what I, you know, usually my the book that makes me happiest is is the one that just arrived in the mail today. Um, what I usually end up showing people is um, a collection I have on the subject of white slavery. Which was you know, forced prostitution from the from the early twentieth century, and and the thing is, I, I first ran across a uh, a nineteen oh seven book on eBay called "Fighting the Traffic in Young Girls." It was I was really intrigued. Like it looked it just looked absolutely wild, and uh, and I learned more. It turned out there were a ton of books published between nineteen oh seven and nineteen fourteen about white slavery. It was a, a real panic in this country, and I've always been fascinated uh, by the history of cities and gender, as well as hysteria and the press. And um, by looking at the uh, at the, the at the books and uh, an ephemera on that topic, you can see how it all played out in public. Um, and most people have just never seen any uh, anything like these. So it, it's a it's a collection that um, that very few people have put together. Uh, I have a lot of material, and it's all uh, it's all pretty amazing. It must be a little downbeat, even if there is some of it is based on media hysteria. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's you, you look at it, and it looks it looks you know hysterical in the sense of uh, you know not not so much funny, but literally hysterical. I mean, it's it's people who were who were terrified about. Uh, uh, you know, sending their—I want to say people like—I think of Midwestern farmers sending their daughters to Chicago to work in offices, and then worried that a man with a mustache was going to, you know, abduct them on the train platform, and they would never be heard from again. Right. Uh, and that actually did happen sometimes, but um, but most of the time it really was just you know hysteria, and that by the fact that uh, you know, you, as evidenced by the fact that it pretty much disappeared after uh, after 1914. Okay, and well, you kind of already answered this, but is there a particular book that you prize above all others, or is it just the one that came yesterday? It's it's pretty much the one that came yesterday. I mean, I, uh, I mean, I I, I certainly I, I collect all kinds of uh, still all kinds of books, and there there are all kinds of books then that 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 come into this apartment all the time um well let, let's ask a, another question sure. what book what was the last book you bought <laughs> i would i actually have to look at the uh, at the, the the packages that arrived you know this morning with um with you know with with a the you know, return addresses to see uh, to see what they are um i i can say that i a lot of what i collect here in this in this manhattan apartment are um are vintage books on new york and which I, I started collecting at some point again there, there are these great Victorian era books on, on New York and I've been collecting um, tourist guides and brochures and on, on New York and these, these great books from the 1870s and 1880s but what I got interested in are as a, as a, a subcategory are books of different series of novels in which the authors take their characters to visit New York 
often kids' books, but uh, but they're sometimes spy novels and such. But there are books like oh, The Saint in New York and Polly in New York and Honey Bunch, Her First Visit to the City. It's uh, There are all these books about these characters that get often written you know, at the turn of the century when it, it really was a lot of readers had never been here. And, uh, and they're discovering the city for the first time. And I'm always finding new books uh, about these, often from the, the early 20th century. Um, and, uh, and so I, you know, I, I just found one of those called uh, The Darewell Chums in the City, which is this, this you know, group, of, uh, group of boys, the Darewell Chums, and this is going to be their big adventure in New York. So that just arrived, and uh, that, will, that will fit nicely on the shelf if, uh, if, I only had, uh, if I only had room for it. So we know that you visit lots of used bookstores. When you walk through the door uh, of one you've never been in before, what are you looking for? Well, now that now that I focus on such narrow subjects to collect, I I spend a lot more time on uh, on eBay and Abe than in bookstores, which is kind of a shame. I, I'd spend you know a lot of years like haunting every single bookshop I, I could find. It's just highly unlikely now that I'll find anything on say white slavery in a uh, in a shop. They're just they're too narrow. But um, but I always look to see whether there's anything I haven't seen on New York in particular. I enjoy scanning through fiction sections to see w- whether there are copies that happen to be autographed that store buyers have missed. Um, what I um, what I really miss is um, is library book sales. I mean, when I lived in uh, in California and then New Jersey and then Pennsylvania, I could uh, I could drive to a sale every couple of weeks. In Manhattan, there's only one library that even holds sales. I mean, every collector should be going to library sales. I just I just have a great time at those. Yeah, I like them too. You can you never know what you're going to get. You never know. There's a you know it's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of junk and uh, but you just you just never know kind of what what someone has happened to has happened to contribute has happened to uh, to hand over then so, yeah yeah do you visit thrift stores at all i do it what i um what i like most of all it's funny, we we love uh, we love visiting the uk we spend a lot of time in the, in london when we can or we we're going to uh, we've been to edinburgh a few times and we're actually going back in a couple of weeks and uh, and i love uk thrift shops because they care a lot more about books. I mean, you can go into a thrift shop of any kind in uh, in London or in uh, or in Edinburgh, and the and the store will have a book section. It will be it will be sectioned off by category. All the, the fiction will be alphabetized. It's amazing how much care they put into into their. Um, into their sections of uh, of books and uh, and again you find different editions of things so that's uh, which which I always love and I often uh, I often really like UK editions more than uh, more than others so but in America you've seen you know, a lot of thrift stores are are pretty sad places so I will always go in but um, I, they often don't make me any happier right and do you have a favorite bookstore I, I presume since you're in Manhattan you go to the Strand yeah I live uh, I live a ten minutes walk from the Strand and uh, that's that's always great. I mean, it's big enough that there's uh, there's always new inventory. That inventory is delightfully unpredictable. Uh, I mean, because there are a lot fewer used bookstores than there used to be here, people tend to go to the Strand, and that means that there, there's always new things, because that, that's where everybody brings material. When we're in Portland, Oregon, we spend a lot of time in Powell's, which is amazing. Um, and for used stores, the best kind of place is one... You know, for, a, for, for a collector and one who's just, who's just browsing and, and trying to find bargains. And what you want, ideally, is a place that gets a bunch of new titles and then prices books without looking them up online. 
that way that you know I rather than the I might, the buyer might know more than the store. Uh, there might be an ignorance gap I can exploit. So like we were just in Bozeman, Montana, which was which was wonderful, and I wandered into a, a a surprisingly big shop where pretty much everything was just a few dollars. And you know who knows what one might run across. I I, I found a couple of things that were uh, that were kind of startlingly great. Um, and we also have these terrific, uh, for, for new bookstores, I mean, in New York, we have fantastic indie stores, great events for authors like McNally Jackson and Books Are Magic in Brooklyn, and, uh, and of course, The Strand. Of course. Um, so our final question, which we ask everyone, is what book or books are you reading now? So I just started... Uh, Taffy Brodesser Ackner's first novel, Fleischman is in Trouble. I'm uh, a huge fan of her New York Times feature stories. The reviews have been great. Uh, my wife met her recently at a spa upstate. Uh, I'm rereading Nora Ephron's 1975 essay collection, Crazy Salad. Her, her first few collections of essays are probably my favorite of any writers. Those are always fun to revisit. I, I just finished Rick, uh, Richard Powers' novel, The Overstory. Uh, we um, we got to see him read from at a McNally Jackson event last year, and the uh, the hardcover was dauntingly heavy. But um, but now there's a softcover edition that was much easier to handle. So finish that, and um, and then because I I just went to a Book Expo America, uh, I came back with a bunch of galleys of uh, forthcoming books that look great by um, Leslie Jameson and Jim Weingarten and Malcolm Gladwell and Rebecca Solnit and a, a lot of others. Uh, it's way too many to get through, and I have my work cut out for me. And for now, I just I have. Um, I have piles of books that uh, my wife is looking forward to me uh, <laughs> moving off and clearing some surfaces. So you're the type of person who has uh, multiple books on the go at one time. Absolutely, absolutely. You, you know, you don't want to. Uh, I see people post on social media questions. Hey, what should I read next? You know, I have no idea, and I I don't understand those people. I have I have dozens of books lined up to read next. I mean, I would I would love more time to be able to get through these stacks of books yes i know that feeling very much okay uh that's all we have time for this week um i would like to give a huge thank you to matthew budman for joining joining us matthew's book is called book collecting now the value of print in a digital age good luck with that one matthew and it's well worth a read and full of useful information for anyone who is um a beginner book collector or even an experienced book collector i well recommend it thank, thank you for you listening so much, thank you you're welcome thank you so much thank you for listening and we'll see you again next time